Welcome to your headquarters for knowledge and helpful advice on a variety of topics, all from trusted experts in their fields. It's time for River City Podcast. Team Logic IT is a nationwide network of business and technology experts. Their professionals lead teams of engineers and certified technicians to facilitate IT solutions that help your business streamline efficiency, enhance security against bad actors, viruses, and human error that ultimately saves you time and money. With an extensive network of 1,100 plus IT professionals across 270 locations covering 95,000 plus devices. They are confident that they've encountered and solved your specific problem. You can rest assured knowing that your business is in the trusted hands of a Team Logic IT business professional like Kyle. Kyle began a career with the U.S. Secret Service as an officer and quickly worked his way up to special agent. Over his 11 plus years within the Secret Service, he developed significant risk management, information technology, and cybersecurity experience that few others possess. Through this experience, Kyle observed the increasing reliance on technology by organizations of every type, as well as the escalating risks inherent with our technology dependence. While working full-time in this demanding field, Kyle earned a master's degree in systems engineering in 2015 and an MBA in 2019 from the University of Virginia Darden School of Business. He is passionate about helping small and mid-sized businesses address their technology challenges so that they can focus on what they do best, running and growing their organizations. So, Kyle, welcome to River City Podcast. Well, I appreciate you having me here. So let's start out talking about cybersecurity. I want to hear some tips, some best practices in kind of keeping our businesses safe from a cyber attack. Absolutely. As you know, today's world is uh, pretty involved with technology and it's creeping into every aspect of our lives, uh, even personal. But we still find the best way to combat cybersecurity and bad actors is just doing the basics on a day-to-day basis, you know, installing a good long password, ensuring that you have multi-factor authentication enabled that goes through a authenticator app or whatever method you do have. And then ensuring that you are changing those passwords every good practices every 60 to 90 days or so and not using the same password across all the boards. And then just kind of keep approaching it at a layered type of security process. So you're not just relying on your password solely or your magical username or any type of firewall or anything like that, but just ensuring that you're following those basics and then keeping up with the knowledge of the the world out there and type of attacks there are and making sure you know who you're getting your emails from, what's in those emails, make sure you're not going to different sites where you may be uploading or downloading software in a way that could then hurt you in the future. So when we talk about passwords, I will definitely say that you would be horrified if you knew what I did with passwords. But my hesitation, and I've learned over the years, I'm not that unique. And so I think this probably applies to a lot of people is we go simple, or we go with the same one, because we don't know where to keep these long passwords so that we can refer to them. What is best practice as far as where to store those when now we need a password for literally everything? We could have 50 to 100 things we need passwords for. Where do we put them so that we have them? Unfortunately, you got to keep that all in your head. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Today's world, um, you're right. Everything we we do, we have a login somewhere online or somewhere on our phone type thing. Some password generators are very good to do that and vaults, but they also have their inherent issues with them as well, that you're storing everything in one location. And then if that third party has an issue, 
then you have all your information then uh, out to the world. But we found that a good general one is Fastlane, um, helps you generate passwords, keep them in there. You can list it out across the board for each login and it helps you keep those in order, but also remind you, hey, maybe you need to change it soon. Don't use it for the same one. And and as, uh, you know, inherit to us, we uh, like to do things that are convenient and least hassle as possible. So we understand the the world we're in and changing your passwords all the time and keeping up with that is difficult. And it's a hard thing to make sure you continue to do like a lot of things in life. But the best way to combat anything as far as cybersecurity is being proactive and staying ahead of it. Because once it happens, it's very hard to recover from type of thing. Yeah. And tell us again, is that an app that you referenced? Yes, uh, it's a company. Uh, you can do it online, but they have an app for your phone as well. You just go to the Google Store or App Store or uh, you know, Apple Store and uh, download it from there. Don't get it from a uh, third party online somewhere, but make sure all your apps come from there. Can you tell us again what the name of that app is for anybody that might need that to store their passwords? Absolutely. So we, we refer to uh, Dashlane, D-A-S-H Lane. Helps you restore all your passwords, generate them, and then provides more features if you want it as well. But Go to the Apple Store or Google Play Store and download it from there. And you had mentioned once that the majority of uh, businesses that get hacked, the vulnerability came from an employee who clicked a link, right, or downloaded something. Yeah, unfortunately, the common point of breaches comes from some sort of human involvement in today's world. And I think it's up to 95% of breaches over the last year had some sort of human error involved, whether it's accidental, was Majority of the time, uh, just clicking on something or forgetting to change their password or just downloading something they didn't mean to. Very rarely is it malicious from inside, but just the common mistakes and they add up quickly, unfortunately. Yeah. So let's say worst case scenario, a business gets hacked. What are some options for data backup and disaster recovery? Yeah. So again, the best options for these are setting up a good plan ahead of time for like you just mentioned, data backup and recovery to allow for issues that do happen. You can then, let's say you got a ransomware hack, you can cut the cord essentially, upload your backup that you have set in place and kind of continue on from there and determine during your investigation of where the issue came from or how it happened before. But if you don't have that backup in place, you kind of are at the, the mercy of the person that has put that ransomware on your company's networks. Having that set plan in place to begin with really is the ultimate best bet. Going from there, if it has happened, reaching out to professionals that are in the IT space, cybersecurity space, something we also help out with, developing a plan with them, which involves getting a hold of your cybersecurity insurance if you have it. Definitely highly recommended. Reaching out with your IT team in place, your upper management, whoever is running the business, and then lawyers as well, trying to get them in so you have a solid plan. Also bringing in law enforcement as well to then assist with investigation side of it and hopefully track down who did this to you and hopefully make sure it doesn't happen to others going forward. Right. A lot of my friends are in radio and TV and a major radio uh, company nationwide got hacked and held ransom and it shut down their business for months. You would think that a huge company like that would have, as you said, sort of the system in place to pull the ripcord. Why wouldn't they? Sometimes we don't, as humans, we, we don't think about things until it's too late. As That's not just in this world. That's across the board. Maybe you have a plan in place, but you didn't think of a certain section of it or it wasn't quite as robust as you thought. 
And that, unfortunately, sometimes the budget for IT within your firm kind of gets pushed to the wayside because it's taken for granted that it just operates as it should be until we'll deal with it later type thing, or it's not going to be an issue for us, or we have something to fall back on and that not complacency, but just confidence and that it's not going to happen to you type thing is easy to fall into. Yeah. And I think a lot of these companies have like maybe somebody in-house that is great at coming to the rescue when there's a computer glitch or something's happening with somebody on the team with their computer and they're relying on this one sole entity to kind of make sure those measures are in place, which probably isn't enough. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of people we uh, have come to us, there's a person that's running it and they're starting to get to the point where they're growing so big that it's too much for one person to handle or the person that's handling it is the uh, actually the owner or Susie in HR that happens to be good with computers or I know how to run the internet pretty good. And so her additional details have now been added to solving all the IT problems and coming up with a plan when that's not their specialty or their world they live in. They just got dumped on their plate. And unfortunately, sometimes they're overwhelmed and they don't know which way to go or where to start. And like a lot of other things in life, if you don't know where to start, you just kind of don't. Kyle, tell us some stories. <laughs> I want to hear some stories about, say, obviously don't say the name of the business, but I'd be really curious to hear a story about this really happening to somebody that you guys have worked with and maybe even how it even happened, how they were vulnerable to it and how it all worked out. Fortunately, we haven't had to deal with that with any of our customers, of course. Today's world, <laughs> nothing is fail safe. Been around some of the most secure places in the world and nothing is complete and foolproof. That's why we have layers in backups and recoveries and, and people monitoring things. But I'll tell you about a incident where a company came to one of my network employees here. They had just unfortunately had their entire network shut down and they were a small flower operation, less than five employees, just a mom and pop operation essentially, and thought that, hey, we're not big enough to be an issue. No one's going to worry about us. And we hear that far too often, but they got their entire network just completely shut down and held ransom. And they came to us asking for this help. And at that point, we didn't have any backups for them in place. And we didn't have those set structures or you know, that team to handle this disaster recovery process. And they were just at the whim of the, unfortunately, the bad actors that had their system crypto locked. And we were able to, I didn't say we, but the partner was able to work with them to eventually get their access back to their system, but it cost them a great deal. And fortunately that company's not around anymore. And this, you know, this was over a year ago, but that happens far too often where people don't put the processes in place. Don't have a backup plan or a plan to go forward if something like this would happen because they're thinking a lot of times that, hey, we're not big enough. Why would they bother with us? What can they really take? It's not a big deal. Fortunately, this happens and it's a lot more expensive than people realize on the front end. And then on the back end, you have a lot of other things to deal with, such as your you know, your reputation. Your clients don't know if they can trust your, your company to keep their information safe, whatever your industry is. And then dealing with all the investigation, the insurance, bringing in another professional from the outside. It really can cripple a small business, especially like that, and not be around much longer. Yeah, I would have definitely thought that a small company like that, that they wouldn't be vulnerable for an attack. But when you think about it, no matter how small you are, you've got hundreds of clients and you've got their payment information and all of their stuff. So you become much bigger in the eyes of a hacker. I remember when this happened at Target. Uh, do you remember that? And they got access to everybody's payments that had been shopping at Target for however long, however many years. You know, even, even a company like Target can be vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. And you see that across the board on larger companies these days. Right, another week doesn't go by. You don't hear some, some business that's very large, has a lot of money, spending tons of money on their cybersecurity and has professionals working on it all the time. And they actually still have an issue. You know, um, Uber was a great example this summer. They had 
They're a software company, essentially. Tons of amazing IT talent within that world. Tons of money to spend on cybersecurity and backups in place and all that. And it still came down to a text message phishing attempt and a human involvement where they actually somehow gave over their password, gave the person access into their environment. And then ran from there and locked up and stole a bunch of data from there. But tons of other ones. The largest heist in history happened through printer, believe it or not, that was attached to the internet but wasn't secure in a way or not. So they got in and through the printer, sat in there for about eight or nine months, figured out their way they were going to exit with all the money, and were able to do it all in one day where they stole millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. They were able to finally track them down months later and figure out who it was. Uh, but that's most companies can never survive anything like that. Those instances are happening on a daily basis anymore. Even companies that are, you know, like Equifax, where it has all of our credit and information like that, they had a big breach a year ago or so, federal government. Constantly dealing with those things. One of the biggest points we like to make is it's not just what you're buying or the products you're buying. You can't just you know put one thing in place and say it's going to be good. It's a con monitoring of your systems, making sure you're doing those daily simple things and hmm. keeping it up to date. Kyle, we get a lot of phishing emails at our agency, and you can tell pretty quickly. Usually, the English is pretty bad. The offer to send exorbitant amounts of money for a job that you haven't even talked about is ridiculous. But what I like to do when I get those is mess with them. So I like to email them back and just keep asking for a phone call because the whole thing is they want to do this all through email just to see what kind of excuses I get. Right now, the main one is I'm in a COVID facility (laughs) in a foreign country and I'm not allowed access to a phone, yet you have a computer. But is it kind of dangerous for me to keep playing with them back and forth with email? Yeah, you should probably stop. But hey, whatever gets you through the day. (laughs) Unfortunately, you hit on one of the the main ways that people do get fall victim to these is business email compromises where somehow they get your information and they uh, decided to make it look like you or somehow they got into like a CEO's account. And then they sent it out to the 50 employees within that organization saying, hey, we got to invoice this company $40,000 type thing. Uh, one out of the 40 employees says, okay, I, that's the boss set telling me it. I better follow it through or I'm not going to have a job type thing. And next thing you know, you're sending $40,000 to some wired account somewhere and lucky if you see it again type thing. One question I think a lot of people might have is there's been a lot of social media hacking, people duplicating other people's Facebooks or sending messages through Instagram as if it's them. And a lot of the links that we're talking about, hey, I saw this video of you is a common one to send through chat and then somebody clicks on it. Do you guys do anything to help with social media? Yeah, absolutely. And again, it comes back to a lot of the basics. Again, it's how did they get in there and tend they are you. They got in by replicating your password or email, and then they're sending out the social engineering campaigns or phishing campaigns where they're sending out to a numbers game, you know, a thousand people to send this message to. One person clicks on it, they make $10,000 off of that one compromise. That's a good day for a bad guy. Yeah. yeah, there's actually a documentary out right now that I wish I could tell everybody where to find it, but I'm sure you can do a Google search. But it's a documentary that goes into, I think, four different countries. And some people are disguised, but they actually interview some of these people. And it is fascinating. It's almost like a factory. It's like all these people that have this whole system and, and office buildings and their entire livelihood is based on these fishing expeditions. And they're literally millionaires because of the amount of money they're making. And primarily the people they're going after, her, them, are Americans. And they said it's because we're the easiest to target because we will respond. It goes back to we're involved so much in technologies involved in every part of our life now. And 
don't really know a whole lot of people that don't have a smartphone or, or entrenched in their phone at right. most of the day. And as you mentioned earlier, it is big business for criminal enterprises. And just much like uh, software as a surface, uh, they've now developed ransomware as a surface to where some criminal doesn't have the ability to do the algorithm or whatever software to then reach out to people over social media or emails. But hey, this guy over here is selling it for a cheap price and all I got to do is give him a cut of it and go from there. But it's really uh, a developed criminal underworld now. So it's unfortunate. Kyle, I promise I'm going to change my passwords today. (laughs) So Kyle, we are going to take a call in from a woman who's had a couple experiences important for the community to hear. And we'd love your take on what happened to her. Okay. Uh, I think it was UPS. It could have been FedEx, but either way, it said you have a package that we're unable to deliver. It was an email I got. Okay. And I clicked, I didn't think I had a package out there anywhere, but I clicked on it to find out and my whole computer just shut down and started going crazy. So Kyle, jump in here. When somebody gets an email from a FedEx or UPS and they see that they have a package, especially during the holidays, they do want to know. So Kyle, what's a way that without clicking on it, they can validate whether that's real or not? So the first thing you can do is look at the actual sender in the email line there. It says from. Look through it. Right. A lot of times they'll just change a little letter or a word at the end of it, and it'll be just a little bit off. That's your first indicator. But a second way you can do it is if the spelling within the email or just seems a little bit out of format or the size or structure of it is off just a little bit, that'll be a second. Maybe that's uh, not the correct thing. And you can always go to their website, like a FedEx or UPS or USPS, and type in your previous name and the package number from there and directly do it there instead of clicking on the email link in the email itself. But then also with that, if you have a good antivirus set up on a spam filtering within your email, those should help eliminate those prior to coming to you. But always look at the sender line. That's one of the biggest indicators that it's off because they have to change that a little. Yeah. And sometimes they even have Gmail. Like sometimes they even say Gmail, which it's like, okay, that's not going to be UPS. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes they're they're very overt. They are getting better though at hiding it. So, and sometimes it's just a letter, but do, do look at that a little harder. I know it's hard to do sometimes when you're going through it fast, but Let's take that extra second. Yeah, well, for sure. And I mean, I clearly I never click on emails now if I'm not, you know, 100 percent sure. I learned that the hard way. Turned out that was somebody in Russia somewhere that was doing this as a scam. And it was a very common situation, I guess. Well, and the other thing to keep in mind is a big one is from the IRS, where you're either scaring somebody into thinking they owe money and they're going to go to jail or which, by the way, doesn't have. Happen. Like the police do not show up at your job because you're late on tax payment. But the other thing is that you may have won something that you may be getting uh, a right. refund. You can go right to the IRS website and verify anything legitimately, like you said, with UPS FedEx. Maybe one of the worst situations when I book hotels online, I call. I look up a website. Let's say I want to stay at a Marriott in Baltimore. I find it online and I dial the number that's on their website and I book my reservation that way. I never do it online. Well, that happened to me once literally in Baltimore. It looked like a very legitimate Marriott website for the location in Baltimore I wanted to be at. So I called the number and I booked a reservation using a credit card and I got to the hotel like the next week or whenever and walked in and they said, we don't have a reservation for you. I'm like, well, I booked it. 
<laughs> like a week or so ago. So I went out to the car and got the email confirmation I had. And the woman looked at it and said, this is not something we sent. This is not our email. It had their COVID policy. It looked so legit. And they also said, and first of all, that would not be a price we would have given you because it was way low. Turned out it was some scam that built a website to look almost exactly like Marriott's, except for wow. you, like you were saying, the email sender of the confirmation email was a like one letter different, which I never paid any attention to. Yeah, and turned out I was not the only one. Well, of there was course. another guy waiting in line who had the same <gasps> oh, right situation. Then? Yeah, and then the next morning when I was checking out, there was somebody there dealing with uh, management had the same thing, but he used his debit card. Oh, all I had to do was call my credit card company and say this was fraudulent and they took it off debit card. That means they have access to all of his banking. Yeah. And we didn't talk about that, Kyle, but that's probably another tip is to use a credit card versus a debit card online, right? Right. Because you can cancel and, and almost every credit card company will honor if you say it was fraudulent. You hit the nail on the head there. And that does happen, unfortunately, more often than not, because it's easy to spin up a website and just go steal their graphics or whatever they have on their public yeah, website. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what they did. There was a few things in there that you noticed afterwards that could have been a red flag to look out for right before, you know, when you're doing it in t real time. Hey, that price is really good or way low. <laughs> yeah, know, I don't know. Maybe it was a special deal that weekend. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know how they were on the phone, if they were easy to understand or Sounded, if they were good. Yes, no, they were. Sounded like I had reached the Marriott Hotel. Yeah, so it was a well-rehearsed, very sophisticated organization. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you Googled this website and it came up with that, or did you do it through some map search? You know, I got it off the website, Marriott in Baltimore, right location. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I guarantee they changed just a little bit on that web URL and made it look a yeah. little just like that. And they're very good. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Can you take us through some of the security and network assessments that you offer? Everybody that is a client of ours or a, uh, someone we're providing managed services for gets a recurring uh, network assessment from us, making sure we're doing checking everything, all the vulnerability points on your network that goes back to your firewalls, where the internet comes in and out, your devices, your computer here, whether it's up to date, whether it has antivirus on it, all the simple things that should be done on a daily basis. We're constantly doing that. But for people that are coming to us from the outside, we definitely offer those network assessments to begin with. It allows us to come into your network. Say we came into your podcast agency here and we said that we need to find out, hey, is your computer good to go here? The internet in place here. We have this open port where anybody can just log in and get into anything you have. We do that, scan everything, check for all the vulnerabilities essentially. Then we provide you with this detailed outline of what the issues we are we found and then sit there and work with you to develop a plan to how you can mitigate them steps to take going forward. These are probably the most important things you need to work on now and then kind of go from there. That's one of the major things we think we bring to the table is providing people with not only the, hey, what to do or a checklist, but giving them the knowledge and the power to not be afraid of what's the unknown. And then additionally, we provide full security assessments as well. We'll come look at your entire environment, not just your network or your infrastructure, but all kind of look at your entire office building, how people act, how they're trained, policies in place, stuff like that, to ensure, again, that the biggest part is trying to install that human firewall so we don't have those vulnerabilities there. And it, it also occurs to me for things that people might consider in this conversation when we talk about the bigger companies 
people assume are going to kind of take these extra precautions. But for the smaller businesses, maybe they aren't thinking that they need it. After hearing this, they're probably thinking they need it. But from a cost standpoint, that's a big thing is you think, okay, these big corporations can afford all of this that you just said. Can small businesses afford these services? How reasonable are they? So we look at what you spend on employees to come into your world. We are always looking for excellent IT talent out there. And it's definitely a world that is hard to find great people in nowadays as well. And the demand's always higher than the supply, of course. So you look at what hiring a mid-level IT talent in-house. You know, you're looking sixty to eighty thousand dollars at entry level, almost type employees. That's just to have that baseline knowledge within your house and what's within their head. So we're bringing the enterprise level that these big companies have of knowledge and in our entire network to the table. We're doing it at a fraction of cost because we're not sitting there in house with you guys. We are providing that majority of it is remotely, so we don't have to have that sitting there constant expense on your books type thing. And we're able to do it at a fraction of cost because we're not just providing it just for you. We're spreading it across several different companies. Not to say that that hurts our service in any way, what we're providing for you, but it allows us to do it at a level that you can then afford. And at the end of the year, let's say if you just randomly have $1,000 a month for someone to come manage your environment, you're looking at $12,000 total, not to say that's what people or we charge or what others will but get. But that in comparison to 60000 for this yep, and that's entry for level. An enti- <laughs> enterprise level you know, yeah. talent and expertise behind you. So. Yeah. We actually use that same analogy here is that if you hire a marketing person just out of college, you're going to be paying a whole lot more for that person with whatever knowledge they have in their brain as compared to our agency that has a team of people. So that's great. That That's a good way to understand it. I've heard a number of people, and a lot of times this is the older generation, they have this intense fear of the internet, intense fear of online banking. What are some steps that people that are feeling that way can take to utilize the benefits of the internet without sort of living in fear? I think it always comes down to knowledge. People are definitely scared of what you don't know and you don't understand, essentially. Reaching out to you know professionals like us in the, in the area, just asking questions. You can go on websites that you can go to our website. We have resources there that allow you to just look at the basics. Hey, if we just put solid uh, password in place, a solid username, we change it around. We don't use the same password, one, two, three password. For 30 years, yeah. that's bad. Yep. You, you change them across <laughs> the board. That helps a lot because, you know, while criminals are inherently, they are lazy as well. And if you put hurdles up in front of them, those layers in, they'll just keep going around and try to find the next easiest thing to go after. Yeah. Move after the next target. Yep. And that's that's the biggest thing you can really do. So Kyle, what's the best way for people to find you that want to inquire more about the services you provide? I can be found on LinkedIn anytime, Kyle Temple. You can Google us, Team Logic IT of Richmond, or you can go to our website there as well. Well, thank you for taking the time to share some information that will truly keep our businesses and our community safe from cyber attacks and keep us all running smooth. Absolutely. I appreciate your time and the great questions here today and the great interview. River City Podcast. If you're interested in setting up a podcast for your business, go to rivercityconsulting.com 